Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Another episode of It Is What It Is podcast. I am your host, Cody Kelly. It's going to be a great episode. Uh, interesting news from Kamala Harris uh, dropping out. Uh, thought that came a little bit too soon to uh, Trump's NATO actions and reactions uh, to his administration policy on reducing food stamps um, to uh, challenges of uh, Expedia, Expedia and their transition of CEOs uh, all the way to the record-breaking Cyber Monday uh, sales. That's going to be a great episode. Look forward to getting into with you. This is another episode of It Is What It Is podcast. Kamala is out. Uh, so, wow. Uh, interesting. He's out. Yet, you know, you have other candidates like uh, Marion Williamson and uh, Andrew Yang who are polling lower that are still in. A um, couple things. I thought after the first debate, Kamala took her foot off the gas and basically allowed the car to, you know, kind of run off the road. Um so I I, I kind of understand where she went wrong as far as uh, campaigning. I think kind of lose. I think uh, Kamala's focus was to create this universal message. Uh, but I think there were factors working against her. Uh, it's it's like uh, is I'm just trying to say this correctly. Uh, I think there was so much push for her to be, to me, like Obama-esque, right? The next Obama. And instead of Kamala just being Kamala, everybody was trying to fit. And I think she was also trying to fit into everybody's ideal version, right? Uh, And I think there was just some strategic errors that were, you know, done incorrectly, I'm sad to see that she's dropped out so soon. I, I really like Senator Harris. I think not being consistent on Medicare, either you know, being Medicare for all and then switching to the public option uh, went against her. Some say that, you know, as far as progressive circles, she really doesn't represent those ideals. She's more of a corporate, the, the phrase corporate Democrat, though Joe Biden is a corporate Democrat and Pete Buttigieg is basically a corporate, he's a corporate de- Democrat and uh, Tom Steyer is not a corporate Democrat because he is the corporate or the corporation, right? So, and I like Tom Steyer, uh, but it's just, I, I, I think you saw a lot of double and triple standards with Senator Harris. And then the constant, or the constant attack of her record as a, uh, as a district attorney, as a state's attorney, you know, because obviously having the conviction rate but you know she was yet trying to implement progressive ideas and yet you know these kind of past you know monologues most of it not being true and it just pigeonholed I think Senator Harris it it pigeonholed her and uh, it basically worked against her but it wasn't her fault I think it was just positioning and branding I think she really dealt uh, with kind of mainstream branding and their reaction toward her. But, you know, I, I really had high hopes. I think 
you know, she still make a great VP. I personally uh, thought she could have done better and went further. Um, I, I thought that she would be the one to bring the charge. And for whatever reason, it just didn't happen. Uh, so, But she is officially out of the presidential race. She says uh, low polling and inability to raise funds has dramatically affected her. Uh, so I, I really think, you know, she has a high ceiling and I look for great things from her in the future. So some uh, some interesting developments in the Trump administration. Uh, slight uh, snubs and name calling. So Trump had a meeting, great piece by uh, Shannon Petty piece, uh, that's actually the last name, uh, fantastic article. Uh, Trump had the meeting with NATO this week. And let's say it just did not go well. Uh, President Donald Trump uh, barreled out of the NATO gathering uh, ever more than the global outsider, passing up a high-profile presidential moment as impeachment bore down. The final day of the meeting was on Wednesday. It began with a video from the previous evening that shook the NATO gathering in a clip. The fr- in a clip, the French President Emmanuel Macron, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, and British Prime Minister Boris Johnson appeared to be mocking Trump, uh, commiserating about having to sit by his side as he took reporters' questions for extended unplanned sessions. In a conversation caught on a hot mic at a reception at Buckingham Palace, and so remarkably, two days that featured the name-calling mutual snubs, along with headline-grabbing public slights from other world leaders, culminated in Trump's decision to scrap a planned presidential press conference as reporters waited inside the room where it was to be held. One of the White House officials called the remark on the video juvenile, jealous, and elitist, adding that leaders should be like the rest of the spineless detractors and get a Twitter account. Johnson allies said they were reviled. His comments couldn't be heard. A video led to Trump calling Trudeau two-faced. Comment he later appeared to compliment himself for. That was funny when I said that the guy was two-faced. Reporters overheard him saying during a meeting with a group of world leaders. Meanwhile, the president himself used his closing moments to bemoan the impeachment hearing taking place before the House Judiciary Committee back in Washington. To do it on a day like this, where we were in England, some of the most powerful countries in the world having very Poor NATO meetings that just happened to be scheduled on this day. It's really, honestly, it's a disgrace, Trump said. Referring to the House Intelligence Committee, Chairman Adam Schiff, uh, Democrat from California, as a stone-cold loser. So, these are my thoughts. So, I saw the video. I don't think it was childish or juvenile. I just think it was an honest moment caught honestly. And I think... They let their guards down, as you can see in the video. You know, all of them have a think a glass of wine. So they're a little, you know, inebriated, you know. Uh, and I think they were just fed up. They, you know, usually in settings like that, it's just very presidential, for lack of a better word, very uh, politically savvy. You know, nobody's, you know, going to let their hair down. It's all smiles and camera uh, positive gestures and you know, business as usual, Uh, it becomes more ceremoniously. And I think because, you know, Trump only has one mode and that is the Trump mode, you know, I think the leaders, not because it wasn't, 
polished, but because they felt like it was, uh, um, I say bullheaded, but it was uh, grandizement. It was self-advertising. It was Trump at doing what Trump does. And I think they just got tired and I think they called him out on it. You know, there's not a law against it. It's not a crime to call somebody out on, you know, stuff. But I think because now of the access and with digital media and everybody having a phone, everybody having video footage, they responded in real time. And when your leaders respond in real time to things that are uh, not favorable, this is what happens. Uh, so Trump, you know, ultimately left. Um, and one of the, the recorded statements is that Trump was preparing to leave other leaders, including Macron and Trudeau. They held their own uh, news conferences. So Trump's movement passing up an opportunity for a dramatic example of counter-programming strategy his team had embraced. <laughs> and this is where maturity has to sit in. This is where you have to know, like, hey, we're here to do a job. We're here to get certain things done. There are certain initiatives that are on the table uh, that is affecting the world policy and we're here to uh we're here to you know really adhere to that but because that wasn't done because feelings got involved in emotional candor this is what happens so i think this was a disappointing moment uh for the u.s i think you know no matter what anybody thinks you know there's always the job at hand and the task at hand that has to be accomplished and you have to be mature about it, even when others are not as mature or not as uh, disciplined or focused. Uh, and then if you do have an undisciplined moment and somebody responds to you in real time, you can't take offense to it. Right. You know, like that's that was your doing. Uh, so this is just an, ultimately, I think, you know, that just NATO meeting just was a failure. You know, uh, Trump trumped it <laughs> and they responded and. Yes, we have the impeachment process going on currently, and I just think it was just a culmination of a bad storm. So ultimately, I think the the verdict or what you can gather from this is that, you know, God help us. We have a long way to go. Uh, it's, it's, seeming, it's seemingly not getting easier. It's just becoming more complicated, if that makes sense. It seems like there's becoming, or this thing is becoming more layered. It's just not one thing anymore. But it's like day after day, week after week, there's another layer to this. And at the same token, you yet need functionality to happen. You need you know, the president to be presidential and to accomplish things. Uh, but this was not um, one of them. Next bad move out of the White House. Trump's administration has gone on the, I guess, defense. They are planning to reduce food stamps. Phil McClausen goes on to write that nearly 700,000 U.S. citizens will lose food stamps with the USDA work requirement change. The Trump administration's Rule change will limit states' ability to provide residents access to food stamps. He has formalized the work requirements for recipients of food stamps, a move that will cause hundreds of thousands of people to lose access to the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, Mm -hmm. known as SNAP. Agricultural Secretary uh, Sonny Perdue and Brandon Lips 
the Deputy Undersecretary for the USDA uh, Food, Nutrition, and Consumer Services spent about 18 minutes on a call with reporters outlining the changes to the rule that take effect April the 1st. We're taking action to reform our SNAP program in order to restore the dignity of work to a sizable segment of our population and be respectful of the taxpayers who fund the program. Purdue said Americans are generous people who believe it is their responsibility to help their fellow citizens when they encounter a difficult stretch. That's the commitment behind SNAP. But like other welfare programs, it was never intended to be a way of life. The new rule will limit states from wavering those standards, instead restricting their use to those areas that have a 6% unemployment rate or higher. The national unemployment rate in October was 3.6%, which is a 0.0 or 0.1% higher uh, than the previous quarter. During the call Wednesday, the USDA said that about 688,000 people would lose access to food stamps. That's down from the earlier estimate that 750,000 people would be affected. The USDA has gone on to say that there was an extension of President Donald Trump's April 2018 executive order called the Reducing Poverty in America by Promoting Opportunity and Economic Mobility. That aim to create more work programs and limit public existence. Senator Debbie Stavenow, Democrat from Michigan, the ranking member of the Senate Committee on Agriculture, Nutrition, and Forestry, said that the rule would do little to help anyone find work. All the rule change does is strip people from accessing the benefit. The administration is out of touch with the families who are struggling to make ends meet by working seasonal jobs or part-time jobs with unreliable hours. Stavenow Seasonal holiday workers, workers in northern Michigan, tourism industry, and workers with unreliable hours like waiters and waitresses are the kind of workers that are hurt mm-hmm. by this proposal. So some of my thoughts, I mean, the yes, are there free riders, freeloaders, people who take advantage of the system? There will always be individuals who take advantage of the system who try to get over who abuse their privilege and their power to benefit themselves. That's human nature. But I guarantee you that percentage is not as large as you think. It's few, far, and in between. The program was created to help those who need help. And the problem is to create this bar or to raise the bar, well, you have to do all this to get help, is crazy. Because there's a, there are individuals like which is listed like waiters and waitresses and temporary workers and seasonal workers whose hours will fluctuate, whose demand for their position and their occupancy will fluctuate. And when they hit a low moment or low trending hiring season or gainful employment season, are they no longer worthy? You know, there's people with disabilities. There's so many different factions, factors, variables, instances, you know, however you want to frame it, uh, that, qualifies these individuals to receive assistance and i guarantee you if you ask any one of them even the ones who abuse the system nobody's like yes i want to be i want to receive food stamps i want to receive you know this assistance program from the state i'm sure most people would like instead to just be rich and never have to worry about the cost of food or where they're getting it from so you know I, i think this is inhumane i think this is to say the least outdated barbaric i get it as a taxpayer as a taxpaying citizen of america uh, we want to be transparent in where our money is going and to what causes 
But at the same time, I don't want to be so uh, overreaching and, and so, you know, need to know that others are being harmed by it. Uh, there are individuals that will be become a casualty to this new policy and it's simply not fair. Uh, I look at the minority they have in the report, they're saying that it will affect uh, the impoverished tend to live in rural areas and often face mental health issues and disabilities. So that's you know, already one group. It's basically you know, selecting all others, anything that's not, you know, status quo. <laughs> and that's sad that we're reverting back to these discriminatory policies that has plagued America for centuries. So uh, shame on Trump. Shame on this ruling. We need less of this and more access. I'm not saying we need to all, you know, jump on the, the you know, social program or whatever, train or whatever. But I, what I am saying is that certain things are just basic human rights and human essentials. And once that is established, what is absolutely necessary it has to be absolutely necessary that it stays necessary, right? Yes, do people need more uh, opportunity to have jobs to create uh, wealth and enterprise for themselves? Totally agree. But even in the process of creation of wealth, there has to also be something to undergird, something to catch, a catcher's mitt. And this is what the program was designed to do. And now that's being removed or or reshaped and is ultimately uh, dangerous at the end because it causes and creates this harm. Expedia.com, right? Expedia uh, boots out their current or I should say now former CEO and CFO and puts in Barry Diller as the one in charge. Annie Palmer goes on to write that the changes are the result of a material loss of focus on current operations. Expedia announced on Wednesday that CEO Mark Okerstrom and CFO Alan Pickerell will be stepping down from the roles at the company. Shares of Expedia climbed as much as 6.1% in pre-market trading following the announcement. Expedia Chairman Barry Diller will manage day-to-day operations at the company as well as oversee its executive leadership team while the board focuses on a plan For long-term leadership, Eric Hart, Expedia's chief strategy officer, will serve as acting CFO. Earlier this year, Expedia embarked on an ambitious reorganization plan with the goal of bringing on brands and technology together in a more efficient way. This reorganization will sound in concept, resulting in a material loss of focus on our current operations, leading to disappointing third-quarter results and a lackluster near-term outlook. The board disagreed with the outlook as well as the partner leadership's visions for growth. Mark Okerstorm is a talented executive with his 13 years of service to Expedia, which has greatly benefited the enterprise. The board and I wish him the best for the future as well. It's Alan Pigarell. So my thoughts, so obviously, you know, business is business. When business is not doing well, there will be layoffs. When business is doing well, it seems like there will be layoffs. Companies restructure all the time. Uh, I don't really think this was an issue of ethical misbehavior. I just think that, you know, as as Senator Kerry once said, we are all temporary employees. So 
the company just felt that a change in executive leadership would spark new focus and revive focus and revive growth. And that's probably uh, true. Uh, when you've been, you know, used to a certain thing and things aren't, you know, shaping or growing the way you like, unfortunately, changes have to be made. And it's going to take some time for these changes to really occur. Now, the stock going up six point, you know, point one percent is more of an investor's response to that, and a lot of that is decreased, you know, share value, because um, there could be rumors that you know CEO could be uh, that uh, Expedia could be getting bought out, you know. So, uh, but I mean, when you have this. Um, response in the stock market is usually a good sign that things are headed back on the right track. And I expect it to. I don't expect any loom and gloom. I don't expect, you know, Expedia just to be one of those companies that hit this bad uh, streak and never regain consciousness. I expect it to, you know, to have a long-term growth plan. Uh, I expect it to uh, resurface um, and I expect ultimately great thing is they do need to go through retooling. I mean, for a travel agency website, main hub, digital platform, you know, I think they are five. <laughs> they were great five years ago. I think their solutions has to be updated. So they need a reformatting. So this was or is to be expected. Uh, uh, they were actually acquired. They acquired, excuse me, Wotif.com for $658 million in 2014. Uh, acquired Travelocity from Sabre Corp for $280 million in 2015. Mm-hmm. It's partnered with them to provide technology platform. Uh, 2015, Expedia acquired Orbitz for $1.2 billion. So you figure, like I said, the last four years, they really haven't made a major acquisition or major move. So this was already in the works. So... Um, I think Expedia is going to do well now that this kind of executive change has happened and I look for great things. Cyber Monday. Coming out of the holiday, well, still in the holiday season, coming out of Thanksgiving, obviously you have Black Friday. And what follows Black Friday is Cyber Monday. It is the Black Friday for your digital retailers. It says business is taking a shift toward that more and more. Cyber Monday this year hit online sales record of $9.4 billion, boosted by late night spending spree. Between between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m., consumers spent $2.9 billion online, which is nearly one-third of the day's total revenue. Amelia Lucas goes on to write that Adobe which monitors the online transactions of 80 of the top 100 web retailers in the United States, was initially predicting Cyber Monday. Online sales would hit $9.4 billion, but preliminary results suggested that the sales might fall short. The numbers got a boost from late-night shoppers. Retailers with more than a billion dollars in annual revenue saw online sales jump 540% compared to an average day. Smaller retailers with less than $50 million in uh, and yearly sales also benefited from the shopping holiday, saw a 337% increase. The e-commerce giant Amazon did not release any data about its Cyber Monday sales, but said that top categories sold on its sites were toys, home, fashion, health, and personal care. Top toys sold between Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Amazon included Monopoly game, Disney Frozen 2 edition, and Lego Star Wars Death Vader's Castle. 
Adobe is forecasting that online sales for the entire holiday season will hit $143.8 billion. That's a lot of money. Look, there's money out here. People want things quick, fast, and in a hurry, and online is just the best way to do it. It's efficient. It's uh, fluid for the most part. If you know what you want, if you're familiar with the process, if you have a safe landing zone and destination spot to pick up your materials, online is just, it's, it is what it is. So, you know, $143.8 billion between Thanksgiving and Christmas Day. 30 days of just money. Now, what I'm interested in is or seeing with this revenue increase, do the workers get more revenue? Because if you are making a 543% increase than usual, shouldn't the workers get paid an increase too? You know, like it can't, this is going to show you greed can't be or, or the problem and the need for this regulation and this socialism that is being talked about. It's because it's not that people are against others from being successful or corporations from thriving, but if you make $9 billion in one day, and obviously that's, you know, all the companies, but if you're making 500% or even 300% more than what you usually make, if you made 10% more, that's good. 20, good. 50, good. 100, oh. But you're making 300 to 500% more than what you would usually make on an average day, and the employees don't, Either what you're saying is that there's not enough coverage throughout the year so that this one day kind of balances everything, or you're saying that you really don't have a focus on human capital and on really investing into your personnel and your team, your human contributors. So, you know, as great as I am to see this, it shows strong economic growth. I always want corporations, I want businesses, I want individuals to do well. I think the, the sad note here is that nobody's reporting an increase of workers wages uh so hats off to everybody who did well hats off to black friday cyber monday uh we still have another shopping major shopping uh day to get through but if it does not trickle back to the employee then at the end of the day ultimately what goes it for Thank y'all for tuning in. Thank y'all for listening. It's been another great episode of It Is What It Is podcast. Look, connect with me. Hit me up on Instagram, IG, CVMK33, Twitter, Cody's Life One. Tell me, like, hey, I want you to copy this. I want to be featured. I want to send a little uh, sound clip. Let me know. I look forward to connecting with you. Click, like, share, subscribe. Till next time. Thanks.